You are listening to the Savage Fin Cast, episode 122. Mako finally got a fin. Chicago. A criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in his terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon. This is the Savage Fincast, the show that briefly considered reciting the lyrics to Weird Al Yankovic's 1999's classic song Albuquerque in its entirety, but ultimately didn't have the balls to dedicate 15 whole minutes to an extended intro gag. We agree, we are cowards. My name is Jim Purcell. <laughs> I'm Craig Olson. I'm Raven Perez. Welcome to another episode of the Savage Fincast, the internet's only Eric Larson Savage Dragon dedicated podcast. Um... We are here again to finally talk about a brand new episode issue of Savage Dragon. It has been a minute, but uh, <laughs> Savage Dragon is my favorite annual. <laughs> Savage Dragon like annual, it. anal, what? That too. Uh, Savage Dragon is my favorite anal. Yep, it's the fin. Getting into it early this time. <laughs> Yeah, those kind of jokes that come up from behind. <laughs> but uh, we, we we got we, we got a lot to talk about since it's been so long. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna roll right into our news segments. Right. Uh, to start off, uh, some uh, some sad news to report. Uh, Jason Pearson passed away back in December. Um, He's primarily known among uh, us Savage Dragon guys for drawing uh, and writing, I think, the uh, Savage Dragon Blood and Guts miniseries, which we will eventually cover on the Savage Fincast Retro. Um, his creator-owned work, Body Bags, uh, he is well-known for. Uh, he was born August 29th, 1970, and passed away December 19th, 2022. Um, I personally haven't read his Body Bags, but I am mostly familiar with his work, uh, drawing the Legion of Superheroes in the 90s. Uh, he kind of became the regular artist after Keith Giffen moved on from that title. Uh, I always was a big fan of that particular era's, uh, the art in that era. Um, but I never did get around to reading any of his uh, body bags work, unfortunately. I will say that uh, body bags is worth any uh, Finhead's uh, time. Uh, I not, you know, haven't read a ton of it. I've only gotten a few random issues that I've pulled out of back issue bins because when it was coming out regularly and new and stuff, I just wasn't in comic shops, but, uh, every single issue that I've gotten has been an absolute treasure. The art is fantastic and frenetic. It's still fresh. Uh, it's insane how fresh it still is. Uh, it's worth stating that body bags established, uh, a father daughter archetype, that was uh, echoed in Tim Seeley's Hack and Slash. He even said so on Twitter himself. Uh, Mark Miller also kind of, you know, ran with it in Kick-Ass with uh, Hit Girl and Big Daddy. 
So, you know, kind of an influential work uh, for creator-owned comics. Uh, Body Bags kind of left a mark. Yeah, so, such a cool design, too, the, the clown face character. Yes. With the big yeah. smiley face. Even, even uh, Panda. Like the daughter. Yeah, Panda Delgado. Like, it's just, like, iconic, her little cheerleader outfit. Like, it's just cool, man. Yeah. Uh, their, their big, huge car. Alex's yeah. car in Savage Dragon. Jason was the one who drew that. Yep. And so, you know, anytime you see that cool, huge flames, like, <laughs> that came from body bags. So... Yeah, man, it's uh, yeah, it's crazy. He's young too. I mean, very. I uh, say it's like just a shame. Forty-eight or forty-nine. Yeah, too young. Um, yeah, but I think there's a lot of uh, Savage Dragon fans out there. I'd probably name uh, Blood and Guts as one of their favorite minis. And I just that stuck in my head when it came out of like, oh, this is, you know, it was always kind of a. I always looked off when Eric didn't draw like dragon, but I think Pearson did a really good job. You know, like he got the proportions. He made Alex look really cool. You know, it was a, it was a killer looking book. And I didn't realize that he wrote that until you just said that Jim, like, I, I was I, like, don't, don't quote me on that. I think no, I looked did. it up and he did. He, he did. He, okay. He wrote it too. Um, which is pretty cool. Well, he wrote body bags too. So, I mean, it's, it, you know, yeah. he had chops, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, definitely worth picking body bags up if you haven't read Blood and Guts. To me, like you said, Craig, uh, it's as strong as uh, you know Dave Johnson's Super Patriots. And yeah, didn't he yeah. draw the second issue of Vanguard as well? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you think about that, like the, some of those minis that Eric had, and I know we've mentioned it in the past, like. You know, like, uh, Liefeld's comics are all drawn by, like, Liefeld clones. But Eric had some, like, heavy hitters in the beginning with his miniseries. You know, oh, Pearson, yeah. Dave Johnson, like, a bunch of talents to, to draw these. Joe Mad, Adam Hughes. Yeah, yeah. And they weren't <laughs> Larson clones, obviously. And it, it just, I don't know, it holds up. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, just a shame. Soon. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. Honor, I say the best way to honor any comic artist is, uh, you know, get their work. You know, if you want to honor a creator, get their work, talk about their work online. You know, if you enjoy body bags or uh, blood and guts, you know, just share it. Because, hey man, you know, for a comic creator, it's what you spend a significant chunk of your life doing. And so you want to honor this guy. The cool thing is, is that, you know, there's all kinds of really great ways, you know, you get to read his work and you can spread it around and share it with your friends. I'm sure it'll mean a lot to his family and it'll enrich your life just getting to see this kick-ass work. So definitely a great way to honor a great cartoonist. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to the next news item and it is, uh, something pretty fantastic friend of the show, a uh, guy that's been a co-host with us. Um, Scott James, as you guys, uh, you know, Savage Dragon fans know his backup stuff and his covers. He drew an awesome, uh, back cover for our super freaks comic. Um, we love his stuff and, uh, he is apparently 
going to be getting a variant cover for Savage Dragon uh, in the future. I think it's coming up soon, but I don't think we know the issue yet. Uh, he shared the image on the Eric Larson Savage Dragon fan group on Facebook, which is pretty cool. And it's actually um, kind of, uh, a, I, I guess it's it kind of comes out of this new issue that we're going to be talking about um, today. When I'm, I guess what I'm talking about is the cover. Um, for 263 today, you know, uh, we're talking about a beach scene. Uh, I don't want to give too much away before we review it, but Scott's cover is a beach scene that is pretty freaking cool. Yeah, he did a fantastic job. And the cool thing is, is that he uh, shared process shots of like the different approaches that he considered. And yeah. uh, man, they're all fantastic. Like, I was telling these guys before the show, but uh, Scott's always been a fantastic artist. You know, love Juice Man. You know, he worked with Nikos on that. You know, love his Savage Dragon backups. But uh, Scott's really been, I don't know, turning up the juice here lately. I feel like he's kind of trying to push himself to a new place artistically because uh, everything he's been doing lately has been sort of, you know, making me stop my scroll, you know, and my de- you know, stopping my tracks and check it out and be like, whoa, what the hell? So, uh, yeah, kudos yeah, to it, you, Scott. It really meshes well with Eric's style. Uh, it's going to look, it's going to be a great cover. I don't know. I, I guess, should we explain it a little bit or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, go for it. It's, uh, well, you know, we'll see it. You'll see it in 263, listener, if you don't have it yet. But there's uh, a whole scene with the Dragon family out at the beach. Uh, on Scott's cover is like uh, Maxine's kind of the in the forefront, all sexy in her bikini and. Looks like uh, Malcolm running to kind of cover her up, um, but it's it's really well done. Yeah, he's got a couple different takes on Maxine, but uh, uh, he, he just does a fantastic job. I mean, every every one of them could have worked, but uh, the one he went with, I think, was the strongest of the ones. But uh, yeah, man, just hats off to Scott. Yeah, kick ass guy. I'd love to see another backup from him. And I think, well, this, I don't think I know, this is his first variant cover. He's done back covers and he's done, uh, you know, backup comics. But to get your own variant for Savage Dragon, that's something pretty special. It's rare. There's not a lot in the book's 30-year history, is there? No. Not a lot at all. And most of them are for, like, super anniversary issues. Yeah. So that's real cool, man. I mean, fucking happy for Scott, and it's a beautiful cover. Like, I just can't wait to see that bad boy in print. Yeah, yeah, with the logo. That would be cool. Uh, Rolling right along, man. We're going to go ahead and do uh, the Finteresting Conversations, where we like to, you know, throw something out there and see what you guys throw back at us. It's been a long time. You probably forgot what the hell we're even talking about. I forgot Uh, what the hell we were talking about. Yeah, me too. As I read this, I was like, wait, what? But uh, last time we said, did the original crossover issues or this crossover encourage you to pick up Spawn? If so, are you still collecting? If not, why? So, going to kick this bad boy off. Uh, Hello, Finheads. I had been following Spawn on and off for a while, and when it was announced that Larson was doing Spawn, it got me interested in picking up both Spawn and Savage Dragon. 
At that point, I was picking up Spawn on big issues or with certain artists on board. Currently, I'd say now, my issues of Savage Dragon have outdone my Spawn issues. That has a lot to do with the Finn cast and from reading the archives. I do enjoy the new writer of Spawn. He does a better job of progressing the story better than Todd does. The first 12 issues of King Spawn are actually amazing. As far as art goes, Javier Fernandez is a great Spawn artist, and I like him as much as Capullo. Uh, My 14-year-old loves the Gunslinger comic. I'm trying to broaden his taste, but just happy he's found a comic he likes and reads. And currently, I do not have the main Spawn comic on my pull list, just King Spawn and Gunslinger. I'd say once Javi leaves King Spawn, I'll probably drop the title, I figure. Anyway, keep up the great work on the FinCast. Thanks, guys. James Sheehan. Thank you, Big Jim. Always good to hear from you. And uh, what about you guys? You you get drawn into the Spawn alternates? No. King Spawn, Gunslinger? I will be honest, I was more interested in those than I have ever been in Spawn before. But still, no. What about you, yeah, Craig? I didn't pick them up. I, I picked up, like, uh, the first issue of, uh, I don't know, one of them. There was a couple of Scorch. them. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Just the I felt bad because I was, like, flipping through it. So I was like, I should just buy it. I looked through mm-hmm. half of it or whatever. Um, but Spawn really has not kept my attention. Um, but... I will say it is. It looks interest more interesting than it ever has to me. Like if there was ever a time that I would probably be persuaded to buy it, it would probably be now with it more in like the superhero direction. It seems like right. Um, but no, I uh, I have not purchased. Fair. Them. Fair. What about you? Oh hell no no. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't pay me to read Spawn. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I guess it's just cool that it's still, you know, I know, you know, you have our biases against Todd, but it is cool that it's still coming I, out. I, and I, don't that even it's have, still... I don't even have a bias against Todd. I just don't care about Spawn. Yeah. I just do not I, I give just, a shit. <laughs> you know, the one thing is I, I do wish that some of what Todd does would rub off on Eric in certain aspects, you know, like how cool would it be if dragon had more interest drummed up in, in spinoff, you know, books and stuff like that, like back in the heyday. And it's like, you got to give Todd some credit that he's able to, you know, keep his character and his book kind of interesting to the masses, you know? Oh, absolutely. Listen, like McFarlane is a salesman. Nobody can touch him. I mean, he is the inheritor of, to the funky Flashman crown. I mean, nobody... I guess you just can't have it both ways. You can't have a creator-owned book that's just drawn by a favorite creator for you know ever, and it still be like super interesting to everyone else in the world. You know, like you either have have it the the Spawn way, where you have different writers and artists that continually kind of shift and bring in new people, or you get to have your favorite artist. Or in my case, artist. Uh, you know, draw every consecutive issue and just deal with a smaller audience. I tell you what it spin-offs. is. I mean, here's, here's what it is, is that like, if you are the dude making the comic, you don't really have a lot of time to go out there and play hype man and be a face. Right. Right. 
so like every you know every Sunday, Sponge, you know, Todd's out there working the social media, <laughs> sexy Sponge Sunday. Look at this, we got a lot of cool stuff coming. He's a hype man. I mean, like I said, he's Funky Flashman Junior. Like he's he knew Stan Lee, so he's like just doing that Stan Lee thing for Spawn. And the difference is, is that you know Eric's got pages to make. <laughs> he's he's not he's not making well, TikToks. I, I, I mean, himself. it's also huge when, when you can bring in a new artist and, you know, someone's sick of the direction or wants something new. You know what I mean? It's it's a lot different. People get, you know, bored of having the same art. You know, the general public saying, you know, whenever you can pull in a new team or reboot a, a number one or whatever, you know, a miniseries. I mean, let's face it, like things like King Spawn and stuff is basically like having Spawn reboot at number one, you know. Yeah, I guess. It's hard way, for me because you know? I, it's hard for me because I just read that Spawn versus Batman, and it was just so terrible, and yeah. it's just so hard for me to. I read I somewhere there, there was even. a reason why it was so bad, but I can't remember the specifics. I feel like Talk it was a review. No, no, it, <laughs> I think I think it was drawn before it was even like plotted. Oh Jesus! So Capullo drew it, and then Todd tried to do the Marvel method where he right. wrote. And it just didn't work. Right. I was going to pick it up, and your review just totally made me lose interest. I didn't even touch it, so I can't talk or judge it because I haven't read it. But based on your review, I'm not going to spend the money. It's not worth it. I mean, honest to God, it, it's beautiful. It's just Todd's writing is horrendous. It's fucking psychotic. I just, the first one sucked, too, honestly. <laughs> yes. Yes, it did. So if you're telling me this one, I, got, I don't have any expectation, and I trust your opinion, so... Oh, well. How about we move on to the next uh, letter? <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see here. Right? It's the uh, the next one. Okay. Well, I was looking forward to getting a couple more issues of The Savage Dragon before the, before the year was out, and then I listened to your excellent interview with Eric. Man, it doesn't sound like we'll be seeing a new issue anytime soon, huh? I guess I'll have to continue climbing the walls waiting for my next SD hit a bit longer. At least I've got the Savage Fincast to keep me going in the meantime. I have a question for you, fine fellows, regarding the long delays between issues. Do you think Eric should acquire a bunch of inventory issues in order by other writer-artists that he could use when he's falling behind schedule? Kind of like what Jim Shooter did at Marvel during the 1980s. Maybe he, he could get the likes of Mark Englert, Corey Hampshire, Frank Fosco, Scott James, PJ Holden, Raven, etc. Uh, to do stories set at any point in the book's history. Yeah, I know Eric... Uh, would never do that as he wants to have an uninterrupted run as a creator of the book. But if he knew that there was going to be a lengthy delay between issues, maybe he could publish these inventory issues as one shots. Do you think Eric and the readers would benefit from this approach? And this is by Stephen Newbold. Oh yeah. And have a, have a happy new year. Thank well, you. It's an interesting idea. Um, I think inventory issues are a product of their time. Uh, it's not really something that you see anymore simply because writing, because the way inventory issues usually worked was that you'd get some scripts and throw them in the drawer. And if you were running up a deadline, you would pull a script out and throw it to a random artist because back in the day, uh, back in the the seventies and eighties, uh, printers had very strict schedules and you could not under any circumstances, miss your, miss your printing window or else you would get fined out the ass that's still yeah, that's, the way it is. Yeah, is it? it is. <laughs> yes. It's like a, the subscription type 
uh, whatever, right? Isn't it like you have to schedule months in advance with some printers? Oh, I thought it had loosened up, which is why everything was late all the time. Oh, I don't know. I hadn't heard that. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I kind of like the one shot idea. Uh, not breaking up the actual series run, but I think there's two issues with this. It's mostly in that I don't think Eric likes doing stories that just don't, that just kind of go in the past and don't do anything. I don't know. Well, I'd say there's a couple of things. Eric wants to have tight control over what his characters do. And obviously it would tie into Savage Dragon. So it means he still has to take the time to write them. That's true. He would probably want to take the lead on at least plotting them, scripting them. And then inventory stories means you hold it until you need it. But right. Whoever he has doing this will need to get paid or something, you know, unless they yeah, do it for yep. free, but right. many people want to do that. So yeah. I don't think Eric would it, let them do it. I for think free. the logistics are difficult to do something like that. Right. I would just say the only thing, and I've said it before, so long time listeners, sorry, it's the same old song for me, but um, I do think that there's, Things that Savage Dragon could do, we lightly touched on this in the last question is what's so funny. There's things that Savage Dragon could do to help through, you know, droughts and stuff like that. And I know that Eric does not want to relinquish control or fill out, you know, his run with other people's. And dude, I don't want him to either. Yeah. But um, if you're going to go an entire like year like 2022 was where we only got what like two issues yes so if you're going to do something like that and and you know it's coming and and you know it can't be helped you know you're working on the omnibus you know personal situations whatever it was uh could be everything who knows but like i wish that there were like he was a little more open minded to things like um digital only yeah. Or some print on demand stuff. We interviewed him. He doesn't even know what print on demand is. But I'm just saying well, he doesn't like, get hit. He doesn't need to know. He I got a I publisher. Know, <laughs> I know you say that, but like Jim, you gotta understand that Eric has said the reason why I keep banging that drum is that Eric has said before in interviews with us that it's like a matter of like he doesn't want to drag image of the company down with books that have low sales. So if you're talking about like a book with the dynamic, uh, with the deadly duo drawn by Raven Perez, it's just not going to move units. But if it's a POD title, it doesn't matter because you don't have any standing stock. It's printed on demand as needed. And so it doesn't hurt image at all. It's not a hindrance to anyone. It's only a, it's only a gain. There's no negatives. And it's just a nice little, I mean, there's a, there's a, um, there the um. That's what we're looking for. There's like a uh, branding problem with that. I don't think Image wants to be associated with print-on-demand quality. Well, the thing is, is that it's creator-owned, and Eric's also a founder. So even if he wasn't a founder, Image creators can do whatever they want because they own the IP, and Image can't stop them. So that's a normal creator can do anything they want. Eric's like a founder. He can definitely do whatever he wants. So I'm saying when you know you're only going to have two issues out, 
a digital only, you know, deadly duo one shot from like Scott James would just be fantastic to fill the void. And it would be digital only. It wouldn't hurt any. There'd be no printing cost. It wouldn't hurt any bottom lines. There is a matter of compensation. You know, that can't be avoided. And so it's not like, you Are know. Are you talking about like just, full 20-page full twenty page comics or like short run digital. stories? It's digital, so it could be anything. It could be a 20-page one-shot. Right. It could be bigger. It could be shorter, whatever. I don't, you know, I've never heard of people buying shorter digital stuff. But, uh. I'm just saying, you know, I think Steven has a point. I mean, if you got like a year, I just, dude, the thing is, is that those two issue years kill the fuck out of momentum. Any my, momentum feeling, my feeling on the matter is that it's not like we got nothing except those two issues. We got Ant all year. Granted, and it Super wasn't. Freaks. And Super Freaks. Yes, and Super Freaks, but that hardly counts. <laughs> counts to me, Jim. Don't, don't count. I guess like I'm that. saying, I'm saying is that I don't think Steven's completely off base here. I'm not saying ever have some third party do a numbered Savage Dragon issue. Never. I never want to see that. I never want to see, you know, Corey Hampshire even like fucking, or even if it's Corey Walker. I, like, I don't give a fuck if it's someone who I'm like, I would be like, oh my God, Greg Capullo did a Savage Dragon. No, dude, I never want to see that. I only want to see Eric Larson on numbered issues. But if fucking, you know, Mark Engler did a Freak Force one shot, even if it was digital only, I'd be hyped as fuck to get that. You know what I'm saying? So I just think there's little things. You're talking about like, Craig said that, you know, there's things that Eric could learn from Todd. Yeah, dude, there's just, there's just some room. That's all. I'm just saying there's, I do think that there's things you could do to fill the void a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just me. That's just me. No, I get it. I I think that, you know, you know, the original question of just like having uh, those kind of fill in issues, that's definitely not going to work, but I agree. I mean, it, it, you know, if if you thought, oh, you know, I'm going to be working on this uh, this bound collection, and it's going to take most of the year. You know, it maybe would have been nice to see if you could get some kind of one shot or mini going to kind of help, where he could just kind of script something loosely and bring in some talent or something. Something that might drum up uh, interest from people or fans of the artist or someone that hasn't read Dragon. You know. Yeah, just keep the just keep the pulse going. That's all. You could always draw. You could always write some kind of Malcolm adventure that doesn't really have to like tie in with the main book. You know, I just think there's a more that, straightforward way to do this instead of going through all the print on demand and those kind of hoops. Just do like uh, short web comics, and then once you get enough material, bundle them up into a one shot. Get them into print. Yeah. Yeah. Just print them through Image. But just something to keep people thinking of the book. <clears throat> Although, you know, it's not like he was, you know, fucking around. The cool thing is all that time spent was to put together, uh, what are they called? It's not called the archives. What's it called? The Ultimate Deluxe. Ultimate, yeah. Um, so hopefully, you know, the effort put into that will bring in readers by you know, purchasing these collections. So 
again. It's not like, you know, there's right, two you, issues and I think it's wasn't selling doing well. anything else. Oh, yeah. I think, I think it sold. I think the first run sold out. I th- I'm pretty yeah. sure. Good sign. Good. Hell yeah. All right. So uh, should we go into our new interesting conversation? Yep. Shoot. So uh, just for listeners, any new listeners out here, this is where we're going to pose a new interesting conversation. Um, you can feel free to answer or come up with your own question and write in at savagefincast at gmail.com. So our new interesting conversation um, goes like this. If Malcolm and family leave Canada behind... What would you like to see happen to the rest of the cast? So, in other words, if they move, which Eric has hinted at, uh, and it's kind of hinted in this new issue we'll talk about, and they move far away from Canada, you know, what what would you like to see happen to all the supporting cast that's still in Canada right now? Uh, write in at savagefincast at gmail.com. All right, so let's kick it off. Uh, who wants to start? I nominate Jim. Okay. <laughs> well, I absolutely would like Captain Tootsie to follow. Um, of course, Hell he's, in sp- yeah. he, he's in space right now. I hate the book. I'd hate for the book to lose Captain Tootsie. He's uh, definitely one of the standout uh, supporting characters at the moment, um, as is. Um, Oh, what's the tiger's name? I forget. Talkie Tony. I almost said Tawny. <laughs> yeah, it's not Talkie Tawny. <laughs> it's Walter. Walter. Walter needs to go with the family, too. Uh, they need a house pet. Um, it would be nice if Greta Gearbox would show up at all. I, I really like her being around, but uh, she hasn't been around in a long time. I think I think those three, Tootsie, Walter, and Greta, should be like the core like supporting cast. Supporting mm-hmm. superhero cast like Dragon used to have. Uh, I just mm-hmm. feel like they're the strongest characters to come out of uh, the uh, Toronto era. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though we don't see mo- many of them a lot. Um, North Forest can just stay in Canada. It's where they belong. Just go away. <laughs> they're fine, <Yeah>. but... <laughs> go away. <laughs> I don't hate them, but uh, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty uh, typecast. <laughs> Um, I mean, that's that. That's really it for me. By you, Raven. Damn, Jim. I mean, it's almost perfect, man. I can't really uh, fucking go against what you said too hard at all. I will just say that uh, I would be uh, happy to see. I, I hate to lose Paul because Paul's so interesting. I mean, he's so fucking interesting as a character because he's dragon, but not. He's from another dimension. You know, there's so many good things about him. At the same time, if Paul was just Alex's just happy ending, I'd be okay with it. Right? So I'm willing to let Paul and Alex just stay behind. North Force, love them. I frankly think that there's too much cool stuff still on the table in Canada. I frankly think that the VCs up there, I think that the you kind of need this book to have, even if Malcolm and them move away, I think they need to be like 
Oh, God, hurry up here, Malcolm, eh? We gotta deal with Thor. We just can't stop him, eh? Get up here, you moose turd. Like, <laughs> fucking, you need that, dude. And so, I'm gonna just suggest that Malcolm be... I, I, I would love to see Tootsie remain in the book. I'd hate to see Tootsie left behind. I mean, it would be, that's a, to me, that's a mistake, right? I would like to see Tootsie be a means for Malcolm to be able to quickly return to Canada when needed. And I don't want them or even expect them to have him be in you know Canada all the time. But like, I would still love to see North Force pop up from time to time. I would still love to see, you know, I think they're cool. And so I would still like to see that approach where, you know, yes, you have characters that move along with Malcolm, uh, Thunderhead, you know, and, uh, Maxine's mom, they can just stay in Canada. You know, that can just be their happy ending. You know, he just stays in Canada and they just have a good life. I'm okay with them sort of disappearing out of the book. Right. But, uh, yeah, I got to see Tootsie come along and frankly, I would love to see Tootsie be a means to uh, get Malcolm back up to Canada to do some North Force stuff. Greg, what's up? Well, I want to have my cake and eat it, too. I think, you know, we'll talk about it in this new issue, but, you know, spoiler alert, it doesn't really matter. We're going to talk about it, but they're going <laughs> to offer... Uh, Malcolm uh, a chance to create SOS on the West coast. So why doesn't he just pull all his buddies, have uh, Paul be their mentor, like coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ooh, that's Malcolm, good. Malcolm leads, bring in Thunderhead, Angel, uh, the Johnson twins. Let's see what they got. Oh yeah. Um, uh, you know, I guess, you're, you know, we're seeing right. Dixie Dexter. Pa- Paul should be, should be played by TV's Craig T. Nelson. um but yeah i think it's a perfect opportunity to like perfectly explain why everyone's moving because he's handpicking his own team of like of course who are you going to pick on your team people that you know your friends you know what i mean guys that you know you can trust so i think there's a way to get most of the main cast get thunderhead all ripped again you know enough with this lame-o mr rogers look like i want (laughs) You know, super buff Thunderhead. Um, Mr. Rogers. <laughs> uh, and maybe uh, maybe pulling guys like uh, like some some uh, experienced guys like Powerhouse or something, you know? Well, there's one obvious choice. And that is the hero that is already in, already there, that the Bay Guardian. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah the that'd Bay be cool, Guardian. too. Jeez. He just comes with a package deal. Like, you know, you want to start this team, you got to have the local hero on it, too. <laughs> Sorry, people like him. <laughs> yeah, that man, that's a funny. good one. Get the Bay Guardian to be kind of like this conceited dude or something and, you know, get that whole, like, uh, him and Malcolm having, like, uh, butting heads or something. Oh, you know. You know it's going to happen. What about Walden Wang? Nobody mentioned him. I mean, he's like Malcolm's like manager for his reality TV show. Malcolm was in the fights, the pay-per-view fights that we well, I can saw have him come over and, and document Malcolm on the team. I like the way you think. I like the way you you have pretty seamlessly lifted everyone from Canada. 
We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Cool. Well, listeners, be sure to send in your thoughts, you know, on, you know, it's always fun speculating. Of course, none of us knows what the fuck's on the horizon, but yeah, be sure to hit us up. That was savagefincast at gmail.com, right? That's right. Hell yeah, dudes. You know what? Can I say something? I feel like it's been a long time since I've eaten. (laughs) I'm fucking hungry. Yeah, dude. I mean, it feels like it's been like a year since I had meat and potatoes. Yeah, it's definitely been way, way too long, and I need some of that meat and potatoes on my plate right now. Garcon, Garcon, meat and potatoes, three, (laughs) three orders of meat and potatoes. Yes. Oh, and also whatever my friends want. Well, friends. Some shark fin soup. (laughs) Shall we dive right in? Let's do this. Guys, right off the bat. Goddamn, what an issue. A lot Just, going on this issue. Yes. Return to form. Return to form. Let's talk about covers. Okay. You guys want to talk about covers? There was a, a bit of a surprise. Of course, we saw Mako yelling into Malcolm's face. But we got a little bit of a, a twist, a little bit of a shock. You know, we got a little Philadelphia twist here. With a variant cover. Yep. What's the artist's name? From, from Jason Sean Alexander. Yeah, Jason Sean Alexander. Well, as you guys know, Eric did a cover for Philadelphia. So this is just a little quid pro quo. But yeah, man. Fucking Jason knocked this cover out of the fucking park. I mean, holy shit, what a great cover. Although. <laughs> how many how many toes does Malcolm have? Um I guess he does have two. It's only it's only nah, on a, it's only it's only Amy who has five toes, right? Right. Right, yeah. Yeah, that was a little weird. The fin's a little wonky, but it's a good cover. It's is a that supposed to be cover. thing that he's punching? That is Rock absolutely guy. absolutely Ben Grimm. Listen, when I did the 30th anniversary reread, I had no idea how many times Ben Grimm shows up and says, Oh, his little like arms or something. Yeah, you see his him. arm all the time. He Joey got Finkel- arrested. Joey Finkelberry killed him. Yeah. But but on top of that, there's a lot of thing, like sort of parallels, like fucking uh, Rock is a thing character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who else? He looked Bad way or- more like thing when he was... You know, his first appearance is in like that poster pullout in the miniseries. Mm-hmm. And he looks like he's got all the rocks, like kind of like thing. There's the Frank Fosco backup where he gets the like thin layer of rocks beaten off of him. And he looks like the thing underneath. Yeah. He's like gray underneath. Yeah. Uh, it's awesome. I mean, you know, having Malcolm just punch the shit out of uh, the thing on this cover. It's fantastic. It's good. Makes me want to read Philadelphia. Goddamn. Yeah, I like seeing uh, other artists' interpretations of Malcolm and Maxine because you don't get to see that a lot. And, you know, most of the stuff we've seen is original Dragon. So, always cool to see uh, another artist's take on Malcolm. What about you, Jim? You've been oddly quiet. Well, what is there to say? It's a cool cover. Color usage Mm. is really neat. Mm-hmm. Now you're a, you're a notorious variant hater. Oh yeah, 
Are you going to be able to resist? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I'm not going to buy a print, so <laughs> the opportunity to get it, it, it this cover is nil. <laughs> so wait a minute. You don't collect the print anymore? No, not since like... You didn't know that? I stopped collecting pretty much all print. I haven't had a print for Savage Dragon since like 170-something, 180-something. Can I have your old Dragon comics? No, mine. <laughs> <laughs> No, I actually, I gave, uh, remember that uh, Chris Iliopoulos variant cover with uh-huh. uh, Dragon? I gave that to uh-huh. Gavin because he didn't have a copy. Cool, man. We, we gave away one of those covers on the FinCast, too. Huh. Not Iliopoulos, uh. the other one, Chris Chris G. Chris G cover. G. Russo. Chris yeah. G, that, that's, who I, that's, I, that's who I was thinking of, yes. The, the, like, what, what, whatever number that issue, issue was, one. was my last Prince Savage Dragon issue. That was a long time ago. I had not seen Chris Eliopoulos's face, and he on his Facebook put his uh, face up, and I was like, "Well, I I don't know why I'm so stupid, but like I've seen Chris G, and for some reason in my oh, head, mixing I just, them up. I just thought they'd look alike, and they look nothing alike, no, dude. No. <laughs> not even close. Easy mistake. I make it all the time. Yeah, not I, even a little bit. <laughs> that was SD-183, which came out back in 2012, which was the when I stopped, when I started buying digital, 2012. Jeez, 11 years ago. I, I cold turkey that shit as soon as I could. What are you going to so, do when the big EMP hits Earth and you lose all your comics? Well, I think we're <laughs> going to have more pressing concerns at that point. <laughs> nah, dude, I'll be reading my comics by Yeah, I'm just going to sit in my basement surrounded you, by comics. What, what are you going to do yeah. when your basement floods, your house burns down? Tell me that, Raven. I don't have a house, so stick that in your <laughs> pipe and smoke it. I'm just gonna jam them all in my shirt and run out of the house. Yeah, it's more likely your 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 collection will flood than an EMP is gonna wipe out my collection. Oh, we'll see who gets it first, buddy. I don't think so. I think you're way more likely to get struck by an EMP. There's a green meteor coming. I think your your days are numbered, Mister. A green meteor. Yeah. It's new to me. <laughs> Google it. Oh, wait. You won't be able to when the EMP hits. At any rate, this cover is the bomb. I think it's great. He fucked up Malcolm's toes. But listen, I love the guy anyway because, like, he just brought it. And can I just say that, like, again, I will never miss an opportunity to shit on Frank <laughs> I know Cho. What you're say. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will never miss an opportunity to shit on Frank Cho. God damn it. He had a cover for fucking 250 and he fucking died. He phoned it in as hard as he could. Well, they all, Liefelds was not, Life, you know, Liefelds was shitty. Yeah. It's like, I would much rather get a lesser known artist like this guy. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. Maybe he is really well known. I don't, I don't really know. But uh, this is head and shoulders a, a way better cover Fuck. than yes. any of those, like, besides Walt Simonson. Yeah, but, Simonson was the only guy who really, truly I mean, it was it. the same thing when, when McFarlane did the cover. What was yes. that for? Like 220, some, 225 or something? I don't know what it was. Like, do you remember the McFarlane cover? Yeah, it was phoned in. Um, All those Phone- guys. Phoned in as hell. And the thing is, is this is, you know, we're joking about the toes. If anybody's listening and thinking we're serious, man, we don't give a shit. This cover's so awesome. Who cares about the toes? Look at that arm. You know, who cares about the toes when his arm is that awesome? When Maxine is that cool 
and on yeah. brand. Like just got it. The poses are so dynamic and right. action packed. And there's just it smacks of effort. And then you just you close your eyes and you envision that like Frank Cho, like fucking yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying hats off. Knowing what Frank Cho can do. <laughs> yes. Dude, that's what makes it suck. We're Knowing just going to talk about that every episode of the FinCast from now on. Dude, I don't give a fuck. Like, if it's if it's pertinent, I feel like it's worth bringing up because guess what? When you do work, it follows you around. And so, like, this variant that just randomly hit on 263 smokes variants by guys that are, like, industry legends. And it's just like, I guess I'm not so much shitting on those guys still yet because we established that they had a chance and they blew it so much as I'm just saying hats off to Jason, Sean Alexander, because he fucking totally swung for the fences when he didn't have to. So yeah. my hats off, dude. Anyway, pretty good issue behind these covers, huh? <laughs> yeah. I, um, Jack Morelli on the lettering. I'm, I'm down with man. He, he's picking up the slack. Yes. Oh, absolutely. He, uh, he filled in really well, and it's almost seamless for me now. Um, really digging it. And of course, Nico's colors always, uh, always uh, some a treat. Let's put it that way. But even MVP Eric seems to have brought oh. a little something extra this issue. Yeah, this this issue, I mean, you guys you guys said it in the beginning, but there's a lot of hatching uh, in this issue. Just I don't know, it's just really well done. I, it's since uh issue 250, I feel like Eric's found a spark with his art and, you know, agreed. The panel layouts and everything. Agreed. I mean, this issue there's just like I said, a little extra oomph. There's just things he's doing different, even on characters like Maxine. It's like yeah. you know he doesn't have to deliver new Maxines, and yet there's just stuff happening in this issue where it's just like, goddamn, dude! Like the way he drew Maxine here is just like you've never seen her drawn that way, and he just yeah, did such yeah. a good job. New poses and every you know different things like you said you're, you're absolutely right like I I did notice that looking through like oh I haven't seen him do that before or and it's like how does he keep doing that after you know 260 plus issues somebody asked on the Facebook group what my uh, opinion was of the 30 uh, the you know complete reread for the 30th anniversary we did a reread and dude my number one takeaway is that people who think that the art got worse are just so fucking delusional. Dude, he just got better by leaps and bounds. It's fucking crazy. So many things with like hatching, you know, line weight, panel composition. It looks like some things are referenced, you know, whereas before there was very minimal of that. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's just people equate overly detailed hatching and everything with good art, and it's not true. <laughs> no, I mean not it can look good all. and cool in cases, but you even know, this, it's... even this panel though, we were talking about hatching for two seconds. Even this panel where Billy is dropping down the ladder into the alley, every yeah. brick yeah. has a different hatching. That's what I'm talking about, and it looks so good. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I, I, I guess know what Raven, I'm saying I, I know, is on characters usually. No, it's texturing. It's it's. No, I'm saying when when I'm talking about hatching and overly, you know, hashing, hatching and and putting rendering on, that's what people <laughs> mistake for good art. Well, I'm talking not... about the backgrounds because if you look on the second page, you see all the hatchings for the, in the background, which yeah, and that dri- drives drives the foreground characters forward. Right. It looks great. I agree. Yeah, it looks really even in Mal- even in the first page where Malcolm and Maxine are just chilling in the apartment. You know, there's just those big chunky you know, hatching. Yeah, and it just looks so those, good, dude. The shadow on the cushion behind Maxine. Yeah. Speaking of the couch. Malcolm's really big. Is this a love seat? <laughs> it looks that way. Oh, there's a division in the cushions. Can you see next to his pinky finger? Right, yeah, I see that. But is that yeah, two it's like or a three two. cushions? Two. Yeah, it's a two-er. Two-er? It's, it's a double cushion. <laughs> He's on like a couch. It's a two-er. Can I take a two-er of Alcatraz? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, dude, it's, I think it's a couch, uh, but like, again, you were talking, you know, Craig about like fucking Nikos just blowing it like out of the water, even on this first page, man, just look at the texture, the paint brush texture on the couch and then go down to the wood. Look at the wood grain. Ah, just yeah. what a fucking feast. So, uh. Content-wise, Malcolm's kind of lamenting the fact that he killed an entire hospital of people. Malcolm just can't stop killing people. Just can't stop, dude. And he, it, the interesting thing, the real interesting takeaway here is that he kind of says that, like, he's just, you know, with COVID around, that, like, using his blood to cure people is just a no-go. Right. Because if they've yeah, got COVID, it's... you could kill a whole hospital. Well, that's the thing. This is, seems to be putting a cap on the blood healing. Yeah, for the time being. Fix. Jim, you got to be happy about that, right? Yeah. Well, as, good... as long as it sticks. <laughs> oh, yeah? Which, to be fair, it doesn't because it does come up again in this issue. Hmm. I think it's a way to sort of put the kibosh on blood healing. Yeah. I think it's like. Yeah, to put it on for blood transfusions to, like, other heroes and just kind of keep it in the dragon family. Well, even though Sarah was a fucking hero, right? Didn't she fucking get blown up like fucking crazy? No. Oh, wait, she never even got the blood. Never no, mind. She, never she, mind. She, well, no, she did, but she died before it had any effect. Yeah. Uh, shout outs to uh, prostitutes with uh, ad- animal print <laughs> that shapes to the contour of their butt. It's a very cool artistic touch. This is not just perversion. It's just a cool artistic touch. I think it looks cool. Yeah. Oh, prostitute. We hardly knew you. <laughs> she got the old uh, SNL land shark. I love you see Mako's hand come out of the shadows. Yeah. It's great. It's good, dude. It's good. I like Faco is here. It's a nice little touch that, like, you know, even though she's like a you know a streetwalker, a lady of the night, she sees this kid out in the streets, and she's like, "Dude, go home! Like, you know, get out of here! You know, you got to go home, be safe, go home to your mom." So it's kind of like you know, it's a nice I, little. 
I don't know. Okay. I didn't really get the impression that she was being nice. I think she just didn't want him around scaring people away. Well, she says it's not safe out here. Yeah, she's just saying it in a shitty way. Just yeah. go yeah. home, you little freak. There's no place for a little kid. Not even one as weird looking as you. I mean, guys, she's had a hard life. <laughs> she got told to put her red light on, so. And then she's fucking decapitated. She gets runched. <laughs> Dude. We're talking about like the Nikos Eric combo. That big chunky ooh, I'll tell you who that puts me in mind of. Dave Johnson started doing that too. What's that? That big chunky hatching. Yeah. Where you can like see the strokes. Yeah. It's cool. I'm not saying it's where he got it, but I am saying I thought I'd seen something like that before. It's cool. pretty wild looking. I mean, look at like so the pan the runch panel and look at like Mako's like fist. Yeah. Like the the shadow under it. It's pretty wild like how like the, the I don't know. You know, I wouldn't even know where to begin to do something like that. It looks like it wouldn't work, but it I would love to see these inks like in black and white. It must look amazing. Oh, I'm sure this page is like a fucking feast for the eyes, man. Yeah, and he even sort of continues it like onto the dock and into the wave. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's when Lots I say something, of... when I say things are a little different this issue, like I look at that cop's face. Yeah. And I just it's feel a like. a little more realistic or something. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm like, huh. Is that based on someone? Like, that's just a little different than a. But then gym. the other cop in the background is really kind of shorthand. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. There's some there's some cool stuff going on this issue so, like that. Is Mako naked throughout this issue? I yes. Tell. I was I was going to bring that up. <laughs> we never see below his pants, or it's always covered up strategically. But I I'm assuming he's naked. <laughs> I'm assuming he's naked too. Like I think this guy's fucking ape shit. <laughs> he just goes in, just eats a chick, and drags her into the water. Did not inherit Mako's Namor costumes. He's really, he really embraced his like shark. I think like, I mean, not to jump ahead, but it's like, he just really embraced this shark thing in a way that Mako never did. Well, he's a serial killer and now he gets to serial kill like with impunity. Yeah. I mean, is he eating for like substance or is he just like, he just likes to kill. I think he just likes to kill. That's how I read it. Like he just likes to murder. This color is uh, okay. great on this page, though. Again, like the sea and everything, like the spray coming off the sea, oh, and yeah. then the panel on the bottom is like just make it red and it pops. Or even the blood effect coming off of the wrench, just yeah. all that like the blood on her leg and the blood like just spattering all. Oh, it's so good, dude! Fantastic use of negative space on the big Mako panel. Yeah. yeah. Well, he does these sorts of things with the stacked panels and the uh, negative space panel. In fact, he does another one on the very next page. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love this angel pose. <laughs> yeah, I love the chunky inks. So good. And she's got, like, pseudo big mouth angel going on. She does. Yeah. She's channeling her, her uh, Calvin and Hobbes phase. It's awesome. <laughs> It's just cool though because you can just you can just hear her kind of like talking loud on the phone. You know what I mean? Just like mm-hmm. super like 
excitable or something. No. It wasn't even my blood. But she feels culpable, just as Malcolm does. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that Malcolm's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. If I don't show up, people will get pissed and blame me more, not to mention call me a pussy. Malcolm, <laughs> shouldn't you be above that sort of thing? <laughs> I guess not, dude. <laughs> yeah. little, little, little insecure there, Malcolm. Still immature. I just want to say, I think it's uh, funny. I saw someone on Twitter complaining that uh, none of their characters in comics use cell phones. Huh. And then we get this issue, and I was like, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. They're I feel totally... like cell phones are phones are in Savage Dragon a lot, actually. It's a super. It's got to be a super convenient plot that you'd have two characters talking and not even be near each other. Yeah. Well, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cell phones have changed the game. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, I love when Eric draws, like, the soles of sneakers. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just looks cool. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, there's attention to detail there. What I really love on this page is Malcolm taking take, uh, taking the piss out of the concept of going on patrol. <laughs> yeah. He, he's standing on a rooftop trying to find Mako, and this is a really dumb idea. Can't see a damn thing. <laughs> And the, the problem here, Mag, uh, Malcolm, is you're not super leaping all over the place. You gotta, you gotta jump around a bit, get some height. Yeah, you gotta super leap. That's how it always works in other comics. They're just swinging around aimlessly, and oops, it works, right? Yeah, I think I do think it's funny. It kind of shits on the trope of going on patrol. You, use your dragon sense. You, use your telescopic vision. <laughs> um. Yeah, man. And then we get uh, this funeral page. And it's funny because in the interview, Eric had mentioned, he's like, oh, I got to draw another funeral scene. And he's like, and I was just thinking, I was like, well, it is funny because on the many rereads, like on the reread, it's like, oh, yeah, like all of the funeral scenes do kind of take place in the graveyard. Like you've got the shot up from the grave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like iconic, the iconic dragon shot up from the grave. And so when I flipped this page and it's like in the church, I was like, oh, yeah, it's pretty right. cool. It's very cool. Someone, and we need, a- someone needs to, on the, the Savage Dragon like fan page on Facebook, is to do like a collection of all the like splash funeral pages, like just so we could see all of them throughout like the history. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, real quick, guys. It's time to play Name a Guy. Name a Guy? Point him out. I, I see Golden Age Thor. Yep. I see the yeah, Black Terror. Thor the Mighty. Black Terror, yep. Thor the Mighty? I see yeah, Black Th- Terror. Th- Thor the Mighty, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who is the blonde guy up above Daredevil? Uh, above Daredevil. Samson? The one next the to Powerhouse? Blonde? Yeah, he's on Daredevil's red half. I, I, he's well, not enough detail The guy with the long hair? Yeah, yeah. He doesn't have long hair. Are you talking about that? That's Thor. No. No, that's young no, Sam. That's, that's Samson. Samson. Yeah, that's Samson. Samson. All right, who's the patriotic fellow on Daredevil's blue half? I actually don't know, but I think we've seen uh, him before. That is Captain Freedom. Captain Freedom? All right, then who's the Uncle Sam looking guy? It's Uncle, Uncle Sam. Sam. He's oh, pub- wow. Uncle Sam is public domain. I should have known. Is that Spider Man next to Youngblood? Uh, it's his shoulder, sure. Okay. Where is that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Colored blue. 
Um, who is the? I think that's fan. No, not is it Phantom Lady above Jungle yes. Blood? Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, who is the guy above Thor the Mighty's helmet? He's got sort of like black bolt bolts on his head. Is that Thunderhead? Uh, I'm not sure. Wait, where Could is be. Thor the Where is Thor the Mighty? He's the one next to Uncle He's, Sam, right? Yes. Next to Uncle Sam. Yeah, right. You're, you're talking. About, you're talking. You're talking about the far left character. No, not the guy with like the Robin Hood mask. Although, do you know who he is? Yeah, that, that's the Fighting Yank. Uh, is that Fighting Fighting Yank? That's a that's a, that's a tricorder hat. <laughs> okay. God, you're incredible. I knew you guys would know all these fucking guys. So, okay, who's the guy between? He's behind Fighting Yank and behind Thor the Mighty. He's like got yeah, the I black bolts. I know that he's got the. Yeah, I don't know. Not enough that Thunderhead looking guy, but I don't know. Is that Thunderhead? All right, so let's let's bring. You know on. what? Okay, so my my uh, I've zoomed in slightly with my with a pinch zoom. Now the quality uh-huh. on this isn't good, really good enough. But he does kind of have Thunderhead's lightning bolts on his head, so it could think, be Thunderhead. I think it's Thunderhead, but it's a little <laughs> little tough to see. Who is the fellow that is in front of Powerhouse, but behind? I'll be honest; I don't know. Uh, is that is that like the Red Racer or what? I don't know. Oh, uh, like the Wizard or whatever. No, it wouldn't be the wizard, but I think you're on the right track, but I'm not sure. I think the other blonde guy is Shock Gibson. Shock Gibson. I don't know him. So what's sad is you guys are going to even have to help me up front. So I see the Johnson twins by okay. Barbaric Schultz. So, so, yeah, so the Johnson twins are there. Where are the Johnson twins? Next to Barbaric on the left in front of Rock. No. No, you don't think? So? Oh no, they're too young. I don't think the Johnson twins that's, are here. That's uh, that's uh, Barbaric's kids. Yeah. Oh shit! Cody, yeah. Tiffany, and Hunter running there. Yeah. Oh, there are three. Damn good eye. So who are the blonde people behind uh, Angel? I want to say Super well, Patriots kids. Oh right, <laughs> yes, that makes more okay. sense. I was going to oh, say Phillips, uh, but the no, new it's Liberty not and Justice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Shit. Um. So, is the person by Dixie's wing anyone? The fellow with the fro. I think they might be an altar boy. Yeah. I Just an altar. Got a collar. Okay. Yep. And then, uh, who is at the grave on the opposite side of Dixie? I don't recognize like, them. The little kid and the woman with black hair by John Day. Oh, I just thought that was another altar boy or something, but I don't know. I mean, it feels like, well, the thing is, Hortus doesn't have any family because they died. They killed themselves. So maybe, I don't know if she might have had more family, but I'm not sure. Who's who's the big uh, fella in the center with the green fin? Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Hulk, obviously. You You missed the clock, the guy that's got like the grifter looking mask i was i was wondering why you guys didn't ask who that was i forgot he was the clock clock. i just hate that mask inherently so i just want to avoid that dude is there a golden age guy is there a golden age guy with grifter mask yeah that's the clock old style thing kill me the first the next issue special had a cover by mike alred with the clock on it It was really cool actually cobra commander had the mask face before grifter did and I hated that too. I like his silver dome helmet's a million times cooler. 
Uh, got, gotta love uh, Kill Cat doing his usual Kill Cat shit. <laughs> Look, a new dart. <laughs> yeah. Third, third or fourth time's the charm, right, guy? <laughs> Just keep trying. Just keep trying. And, and isn't this the second time he's tried to hit on a dart at a funeral? Probably. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I do believe so. Tell you, we haven't seen Dixie in forever. She looks kind of cool. She looks very cool, dude. Like I like her beta ray bill mouth. Yeah, she's, she's like a full size. Got her dark seed father in her. Yeah. We need to see more of her. Hell yeah, dude. You talk about additions to the cast. Get that bitch in Freak Force. Please, give me a competent hordus. That That's all I want. <laughs> she's the daughter of an idiot and the daughter of a genius. So competent. It could go 50 it could go 50-50, you know? And then we get uh, Jeremiah Youngblood. Where the hell did this guy come from? I think he's you, a Did you joke. notice? Well, he's a joke, Sorry. but he's new. Did you notice he... there's no Super Tough? I mean, Super Tough was... So there's a few things I wrote a note about. Do you remember? I think it was... Oh, that's right. Super Tough know. is back. He's leading the SOS, Super I think. Tla- Last time we saw Super Tough, he was arresting Daredevil. Because he was like letting, was it like Jennifer and Alex go into Dimension X? It was something with like President Trump, you know, banishing like the aliens. Right. Mm-hmm. And he like put Daredevil under arrest for trying to free them or something. And then it was kind of left at that. I forget what issue that was. Um, but yeah, he's kind of like all the the golden age guys are SOS guys now and so we're super tough. And Rocks in his SOS uniform. Yeah. So uh, where the heck is super tough? Before we move on, B- behind I barbaric. <laughs> before before we move on, I just want to say that I love that all of those golden age SOS guys finally showed up again. I was worried that was a thing we were just never going to see again. Yeah, we saw him in like a backup, right? And, it's c- yeah. kind of weird they're here, though. You don't really associate. Well, oh, wait a minute. They're tied to Battle Tank. Oh, wait. No, Battle Tank was never a SOS kit member. Wait a minute. I'm trying to think of a reason why they would be a Horde Super Patriot is in Freak Force. Right. I, yeah. And I would assume that he's in good standing with the SOS. Yeah. So probably that's the connection. As well as I'm sure the SOS calls on Mighty Man. And I mean, she is a hero. So I guess maybe she has superhero cred that brings all the superheroes out. So I suppose there's that. Yeah. Funeral for a friend. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's SOS paying their respects, I guess. Yeah. You notice who's not there? Fucking North Force. Well, they're in space. Oh. Probably yeah. Know. What's I forget? Remind they, me what happened. What they had to Force? go destroy. They had to go destroy the rock people before. He's like, they'll be back unless yeah. we take the fight to their home world. Oh, yeah, gotcha. Captain Captain to- Tootsie grabbed them and they all went off into space. I assume they're getting slaughtered as we speak. <laughs> they could be making love to those rock people and starting a new race. You don't know. Anything can happen. Jeremiah Youngblood, you said he's new. He has no pra- but is he a pastiche on anything other than Liefeldisms? I think he's just Liefeldisms the man. 
I think uh, I, I yeah, think he, I think he's a he's a clever workaround that Eric and Liefeld can't use Youngblood anymore. So just make a character called Youngblood. How are you going <laughs> to sue me now? He's like a Nick Fury, Liefeld guy, I guess. Dumb yeah. Dumb Duggan slash Nick Fury slash Cable. Yeah, he's got the cable eye. He's got the robot arm. He's got all the things. I think he. I think he looks cool. I like him. Cool enough, yeah. I do think he looks cool. The thing I want to point out is that when Liefeld was pitching his uh, Youngblood, he gave them those Ys and circles, kind of like the Xs and circles. Yeah. And Jeremiah Youngblood totally is rocking the Y in a circle on his belt buckle. He does have a Y on his his belt buckle. (laughs) I just think it's funny, you know. He went all in on We'll definitely see if we see more of this guy. I would assume. All right, this is a point to talk about this. So Jeremiah Youngblood invites Malcolm to uh, head up a uh, this is huge. West West. Yeah, it is a West Coast branch of the SOS. I'm going to start calling the SO West <laughs> and uh, and fucking. Uh, you know, Malcolm doesn't shut him down. He's like, yeah, man, maybe. But, like, he doesn't just invite him to be on the team. He invites him to lead the team. And assemble it, his own team. Yeah. Be an ideal point man. I'm just like, dude, yes. Malcolm has needed. So let's talk about this for, like, two seconds. Malcolm has needed some more, like, arcs. Some more, like, clearly de- defined, like, like direction. Heading up his own team, his own SOS. Come on. Yeah. I mean, you think Eric would dedicate a whole page to this if he's not going to do it? It would be kind of a weird kind of, uh, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like, it seems like he's got to do this to me. Oh, it's it's too cool. It's too cool not to. It would be a weird, like, red herring, I guess is what I was trying to say. Like. <laughs> To throw out something really cool and then not do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I wouldn't put it past him in certain ways, but um, it just, with the talk from our last interview, this, um, and I don't know. It just seems like it's the next logical progression for Malcolm. There's nothing to, for him in Canada anymore. Well, I mean, we almost saw him join, you know, uh, uh, freedom for uh north force yeah and i think eric was kind of toying with that honestly i felt like north force the characters are cool i just felt like the names are so uninspired like just name them after sports teams that i just was never like super on board but jeremiah youngblood does it for you huh i think i think he's a cool looking character i, I what does it for me is him able to like find a reason to get the cast like all like out of Canada and a new location. Yeah, I'll be into it. I'm really excited. And the funny thing too, is that like Eric lives in uh, California. So instead of having to research a bunch of shit, like he's been doing with Canada, he's going to be able to just, you know, pull that shit out of his hat, like nothing. Right. And you know, the vicious circles kind of, I don't know. I could see this as like, all right, you know, I'll I'll move to California, but do me one last favor. I want all of SOS to come in and take out the vicious circle with me. 
you know. Plus, like, I, mean, I could see the that. Fucking ropes. They're on the fucking. They're ropes on the ropes. Anyway. Their 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 membership is way down. And don't forget, uh, we see Samurai versus Malcolm on a future cover, so that final confrontation might be coming. I say wipe them all out. Let like one or two survive and go crawl away, and they can come back at some other point down the road. I mean, the thing about the Vicious Circle is they have a really, really, really good name. The Vicious Circle is a really good supervillain group name, and I'd hate to lose that. But, yeah, they, they need to, like, reassess uh, their goals, I would you say. You could always have some new upstarts. Restart it. Hey, man, I mean, goddamn, the new, the young Vicious Circle never did anything. Well, they went to jail. That's... I mean, that was the kind of the storyline. I know, they... but I'm just saying, like, you have a built-in like you could let time pass and then those guys show up again as adults and it would be fucking sick as hell well about yeah. half of them did get slaughtered by malcolm and and his kids oh they, they did didn't they remember they got they got basically samurai sent them all to die that's right she was Never cleaning mind. house i think it's so, fine though like god sorry i'm just saying that i think what the vicious circle needs and what it had with dart is that it needs leadership that has a goal and currently they don't. Samurai just wants to be in charge, but she she did. We haven't seen any like goals of hers. I you know I, I just feel like Dart was lingering around for a while. VC has been around for a while. It's time to bring in like a new threat, like a new Dark Lord or a new you know whoever, yeah. like a new big bad. You know. Yeah. And yeah. I think having a team like that gives it the opportunity. Yeah, something something like a. I mean, a new all right, let, world let's go, threat. Let's let's go through them. Overlord, Dark Lord, uh-huh. Glum. Who's the Dark- Dimension guy? Is it Scourge or not yeah, but Scourge? He, Scourge uh, was no, no. You're thinking of uh, Dark Seed, Dark Seed or Death Seed? Was Death it? Seed, right? Death Seed. Who you know the the? Well, I was going to say Hortus's husband, but, but no. Uh, uh, Battle Tank got infected by whatever Death Seed was, right? Yeah. But I wouldn't call him a significant villain. I, I was going to say he had the ability to be one but he didn't turn out to be one yeah because uh angel ripped him i mean uh jennifer ripped him apart right but i was gonna say dart so malcolm and dragon and malcolm dragon has had five major villains i would say throughout the course of this series overlord dark lord glum um cyberface you're missing cyberface okay cyberface was a serious threat and dart yeah so yes it is time to have another and, and I guess, oh, that's right. So there is a character named Scourge, and we did think Scourge was going to be oh, a big deal. But then Scourge was Knight, too, I would say. But again, he was kind of riding Overlord's coattails and resolving plot threads about Overlord. True. And again, he died pretty quickly. I'm not, not quickly. But when he got reintroduced, he basically died immediately. Because it was your ass, your right? ass. Yeah, your, your ass was a character for a while. Ronald he, Winston, your ass. And then he... <laughs> caught a dime through the forehead as you do yeah yeah um yeah man i i think a new setup new villains you know new new rogues gallery like there's just tons of potential there so so let's all go to the beach bikini party summer fun in the sun (laughs) yeah man lots of fucking good stuff on this like beach sequence uh maxine always fantastic you know eric's always delivering the goods with her 
but even like the you know well, just the the acting the on the don't kids. For, don't forget the speedboat scene. Oh yeah, dude, it's fucking incredible. <laughs> just, you know, like fucking Mako just one-handed bashing a fucking ship into pieces, and then just chewing and eating these people up. Hell don't yeah! Don't you love how they didn't expect to die today? <laughs> I mean, you know. What's cool about uh, you know the whole beach scene is just the bright colors too, like the the um, Nico's use of the colors. You know, it's just it's super bright and punchy. Uh, it's pretty cool. I love it. Like yeah. how blue the skies are with the clouds and stuff like that. It's just uh, I don't know. It's just it's a little different than what we've seen for a while. Yeah, lots of good blue rim light, like, on the kids. Like, it just yeah. looks fantastic. Yeah. The shot of just... Maxine is fantastic. Oh, the yeah, full dude. figure shot. Yeah, man. Delivering the goods. Maxine fans are living <laughs> this issue. <laughs> it's the good stuff. Lots this, of great close-ups on the faces and stuff. I like it. Yeah, that's what I was saying is like just the body language and the like the posing. And dude, a lot of people can't draw kids. Like a lot yeah. of people do really shitty jobs and like their kids are like creepy little adults. Right. But every one of these kids looks normal. I mean, they look like how kids should look. Lots of great background characters, like really cartoony looking characters and stuff like that, too. It's kind of kind of neat i guess not not so much cartoony but just lots of variety of different characters yeah lots of good shorthand characters you know yeah it's fantastic and and the thing is is that what's great about this scene is that like you know where it's going right i mean and so the whole time the kids are like can i please go can i go and she's like ah don't go far and it's like dude it's just building you know where it's going i've seen this movie yeah, yeah. yeah, one of the kids is going to get it, and you just don't know who. So I don't know well, about you guys. I love you got two six-panel pages of just, like, kids having fun at the beach, and it's just kind of building. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. like you said, you know it's coming, but it's like, all right, wow, it's kind of, you know, all these little montages of them playing. It's kind of mm-hmm. cool, you know? And then you know in that panel, you see the, <laughs> you know, you see the kids playing in the water in that last panel you're like yeah this is gonna be the page turner just go play in the shallow go play in the shallow end <laughs> I, I thought i thought the page turner was she was just gonna be an arm at that point oh, yeah yeah that would have been good i did too <laughs> we're gonna I talk about that. maxine faces by the way guys like just good maxine faces on this yeah. like this one where she's like let's give them a show just yeah. good maxine face so who's the castle building genius? Is it uh, Dragon's kid or the other kid? <laughs> like, look how good their sandcastle is. Yeah. <laughs> genius yeah. level. Well, if you look back one page, you'll see the them playing, playing. You'll see them playing together, and uh, the girl wants to uses uses Jackson's strength to like pile up the sand much higher than would normally be possible. Yeah. So I think they just made a huge pile of sand and just kind of went to it. So I think it's both of them. <laughs> No, these kids are geniuses. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, one of them's like got a future in architecture. Mini Latervia. Mm-hmm. 
That's what I was thinking. Yeah, dude, the tension's building. And I even thought when, like, is it Amy that's flinging the little kid? No, no, that, Maddie? That, that, that's Mag, that's Maddie. <laughs> yeah, she just the, got a, like a an ankle. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah, kid, yeah. this kid walks over to her to play, and she's like shaking him like a rattle. Yeah, and I just thought to myself, I was like, oh no, <laughs> like what's gonna happen here, right? Uh, yeah, and then we flip the page, and goddamn, <laughs> what a double page spread, dude! The action on this is fucking awesome. Yeah, Mako looks great. Yeah. This pose oh. that um that Amy's in is very familiar. It's a very like classic like Namor leaping pose, I think. Yeah. I might need to look try to look around and see if I can find the exact one it reminds me. Yeah, of. I think you nailed it. It looks very uh Namorish. But dude, just the way the like water splashes or like breaking up the line work. And stuff like that. Oh, it just looks so good, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's like, even like the colors on Mako like are amazing. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> this is just a good ass, like, you know, the texture in the sky. Like the even the like the yellow sky has texture, but then there's like water just bursting everywhere. Oh, it's those... so good. What's all like like the hatching in the water, like below Mako's arm, like around the the speech bubbles? Like, how do you do? Is that like a a zipatone type thing, or is that yeah. like hand drawn? There's some zipatone going on, but it's also hand drawn. Like the yeah, really thin stuff, cool. the really thin stuff zipatone, but then the big long strokes that go it's like so from... kinetic. Like you you can just feel like Mako popping out of the water, like like super quick. You know what I mean? Like it oh, just yeah. it just pops out, boom. Gotcha, you know? Yeah. It's the, so good. And then Morelli's showing off his thing with the let me go and then the let me go in bigger red letters. Yeah, oh, yeah. Good, dude. Yeah, it really is. And then I love, like, you know, you're getting the, the like, kind of quick, brutal action. You're getting those, like, uh, panels that are just, like, you know, real scratchy mm-hmm. with the speed lines. Good mm-hmm. stuff. Dude. Look at all these colors. Look at this page, this one page where, uh, you know, I guess Mako's getting his eye punched out. Fuck yeah. Is that what's happening or is it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is she, Amy is ripping his eye, her, his look, eye out. Look how, look how many colors are on these pants. Like, it's just, it just pops. Dude, she punches his fucking eye out and he rips that kid's leg off. Yeah. <laughs> Brutal. Not I, I ideal. Was like, oh. I was like, oh, god damn. Dude, the horror in both the mom's face and Malcolm's face is awesome. Like you can yeah. just like I'm t- when I talk about like the expressions and stuff, yeah. like just the look of horror in both their faces, top tier. I love it because Malcolm's face looks weird, but people make weird faces when they make shocked faces. You know what I mean? Like it absolutely lines up with like a type of face someone would make if they're absolutely like pissed or shocked or like freaking out. You know what I mean? Like just that, that look of horror. Yeah. Horror. Horror. I can't say that word. Aurora Borealis. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome as shit. And, uh, yeah, you're right. The colors are just popping off the charts on these pages. It's so good. Green and reds and blues and yellows. Like, it just works. The pink of her bathing suit. Like, 
it's just good. It's fucking these are this action sequence is incredible. Yeah, oh, I love. Like, just look at so this next page where where Malcolm's popping Mako in the head, and look what he's doing with his like hand, like the pose. He's got like, you know, a couple fingers out, a couple fingers bent in. Like, it's just kind of a cool like. Looks like he just got punched like so hard. It just kind of like. I don't know. It just did something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just yeah. not a normal fist or something. It's just like, I don't know. It's cool. You see the like, blood kind of flying off him. Like his hand went limp a little. Like he's like, yeah. Ooh. yeah. So yeah, it's, I'm pretty sure Amy doesn't get her arm bitten off. I'm pretty sure he yanks her so hard. His, her arm stays in his eyeball. I think you're right. Because there's like a panel where you see her hand fly off afterwards. I don't know. I think it's stuck in his eye, like you said. Yes, I see that now. It does come up later. So, yeah. She doesn't get her arm bit off. She gets it ripped off. Yeah, that sucks. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm glad you guys pointed that out. I didn't even notice that's what that was. He just grabs her head, pulls it, and you hear, you see the sound effect, the scrack. He's got eyelids of steel. (laughs) I mean, look at those speed lines of him just shooting, like, just firing Amy off. It's so dude, cool. Even the expression on her face, it's like, yeah. it's just good, dude. And the, I don't know, what you call them, globulates of blood? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's fucking awesome. Yeah, and, and again, like, I know this whole thing evokes Jaws, but, like, the, he like, he flings Amy, and she just, like, the body language like she just goes scooting up the beach and there's like just all that sand flying and then malcolm and mako are just like really like drilling each other in the water there but then that scene of like all the people running out of the water dude it's perfect you know there i'm looking at this issue and i i don't know it's just something about the way that the mako character looks and functions that always makes the best fight scenes in Savage Dragon. Like I'm looking at this fight scene it's like, man, this might be one of my favorite up there and like a, a top favorite, you know, sequence. Like, I've always felt Mako made the best like anti-dragon character because he kind of has the same physique as Dragon. Yeah. So when he go when he when Dragon and Mako fight or in this case Malcolm and Mako um it always feels like they're on even footing. Yeah. Right. Which I guess is brutal because he's got razor sharp teeth, you know? Right. No, it's just good. I mean, this this makes me think of the prison fight scene and, you know, it's, I don't know, it's just good. It's got that element of like the water splashing all around them that just adds like, I don't know, certain certain something extra, you know? Yeah, but I mean, all it these does. poses are amazing. The, the 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 panel with the thruck where he's like, you know, punching Malcolm's eye and just exploding it more. What an ama- What a cool panel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's just great that like even the shit talk he's talking. It's just like, dude, you could tell like he's out to kill. It's like dude, you fucking hurt the kids. Like you're going, your ass is grass. I love, you know, all the people running out of the water, the bottom panel. It's like, 
some old broad with, you know, just running. She looks great, you know, like just the, I don't know, just the, like, it's not just, you know what I mean? Like his characters all look different, different ages, different sizes. Yeah. Um, It really gives you that feeling of like a real beach with like a, just a bunch of different people on it. We do What's at least. Funny is... Go ahead. I said we do at least see that girl who got her leg ripped off getting pulled out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you even what's funny is even during the sequence of just like there's all this chaos, like you do get the like sequential storytelling of it's like, yeah, but that girl makes it out. Yeah. Uh it's nuts, dude. Dude the the, the next page, the panel of like Mako tossing uh Malcolm, he's got like the the two finger sticking out pose and like all those like hatch lines that are around. Mm-hmm. It looks so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then he throws Malcolm into a house. house. Just explodes the house. And Malcolm comes out of the house with a barefoot bathtub. <laughs> the clawfoot. <laughs> yeah, the little clawfoot bathtub. Bwang. <laughs> it's so good. It's so That's good. That's the cool thing too about Mako when you smash him, you can just show teeth flying everywhere. Yeah, oh, it's good, dude. It's good as hell. The EMTs, quick acting. Yeah, they're there. Yeah. They're on the scene. Man, John Day shows up like three times in this issue. So <laughs> he he's 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 behind the girl getting pulled out of the water. He's at the funeral, and now you see him by the ambulance. Ah, uh, that's not John Day. You sure? John- oh, he's got he's got too much hair to be John Day. You're yeah. right. Yeah, but, but the one of the ambulance looks- is John Day. Yeah, that looks like John Day. Yeah, so so when uh, that panel when Malcolm's electrocuting Mako, he electrocutes him so hard the the hand flies out of his eye socket. That's awesome. I did not notice that, guys. That's fucking awesome as shit. But then it's Mako with a with a with a wrong fin. Dude, <laughs> how cool is this? <laughs> Dragon Mako. Yeah. I love the panel where it's the that middle panel while the negative black space is like in his mouth kind of. Mm-hmm. So cool looking. TikTok motherfucker. <laughs> so good. So, so good. this so this happened because uh Amy had her whole arm in his eyeball and had it ripped off. So her blood and his blood in the eye mingled. Yes. Which is crazy, though, because how many times is like, Dragon get into a fight with somebody or Malcolm and their blood's flying all over the place? I get, yeah, I guess eating it doesn't work. I don't know. Like I said, this is one of those things that why I don't really like the blood thing. Because it's, yeah. there's too many questions it raises. <laughs> why doesn't this happen all the time? Well, at any rate, tat, it is a pretty cool design. Out, baby. Noticeably, uh, his eye has healed as a result of this. So yeah. the healing properties of the blood are in full effect. And he's stronger because, like, dude, oh, yeah. his punch against Malcolm, like, even the one before it goes through his torso, is just, like, fucking noticeably more powerful, you know? Yeah. The blood flying, man, just gives it a whole new dimension, too. When he punches Malcolm on that page, the same page where he kind of punches through his gut but that first panel where the blood just kind of flying out of Malcolm's mouth I guess Mm -hmm. it's so dynamic it's cool it's good shit dude 
Tyrone, huh? <laughs> What's up? He's just building his castle. <laughs> like Tyrone, how into that castle were you? I, I think Tyrone is just like in his own head all the time. I think he's like a gonna be like a Reed Richards kind of smarty. I think that's why the castle was so good. I think he's a genius. I'm not. I'm not joking. Like I think that was meant to yeah. be like Tyrone's like a little showcasing fucking, his like yeah his abilities. Yeah, like he's like smart and artistic and like you know, I think he's gonna be the genius kid, dude. So when you see the sput panel, where'd your mind go? Just Mako dying, right? Just Mako dying. You didn't yeah, think it was Jackson related? No, no, because I mean we know he's Mako's infected. Sput spot only means one thing. Mako kabloomed. Dude, yeah, this dude, ending you is got hilarious. Infected by blood. Dude, that, that Maxine so panel, funny. so mm-hmm. great. The close-up near the yes. spot. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good, dude. There's so much good shit in this issue. Like, so many good Maxine really close-ups. So many incredible, like, the action is over the fucking top. It's tier dude, this, and two. This ending, chef's kiss. The last panel. So funny this is the dude i totally forgot like in the in the whole fight scene i just forgot billy's ass was running around what a funny payoff for them looking for jackson (laughs) it's for fucking billy to show up i think we need to go back and talk about jackson really quick so Uh we go back to the the beach scenes where the kids are playing in the six panel pages Uh uh-huh we see jackson chasing this blonde kid and we see Jackson chasing this blonde kid under the pier. And at that uh-huh. point, Jackson disappears from the story. Right. So it raises a question. Who is this blonde kid? And where have they gone? I, I think Jackson may have been kidnapped. You by, think? By nefarious forces. What's is, crazy is it could even be, I mean, they're at the beach. It could have even been a riptide. I mean, Drags they, him out. I mean, they are under the pier. I mean, I suppose that's possible, but I feel like Jackson would be strong enough to swim pe- uh, against a riptide. Not if he's trying to save the other it, kid. <gasps> it is a weird thing. Like, you got to figure it's got to be something because you're not just going to be like, oh, maybe he will. I don't know. But it'd be I mean, weird to be like, oh, I just got lost and like, I mean, leave it, it at I mean, that. I mean, it sets up the Billy gag. Fair enough. But I, right. I can't imagine it's not nothing. I, I well, honestly feel like it's a plot point. Let's also throw this out that Tyrone was so involved in his sandcastle, he missed everything somehow. Right. So Jackson could have just missed everything. You never know. No, I, yeah, I get it. It just would be a weird, I guess it's setting up the Billy thing, but it just seems, I mean, this is comics. It seems like it's got to be for some reason. It's like, it's like he's, this blonde kid just, it seems like Jackson's chasing him for fun, for him. But it just, it, I don't know, there's something, because he disappears from the story, it feels more nefarious. Yeah, you could be right. Because he's clearly, because when he's under the pier, you can clearly see that he's very far away from everybody at the beach. So he's going yeah. to, he's being led to a secluded place. Could be, man. I mean, the VC is still out there. I don't know, you're, that's a good observation. We know his ass is missing, we know that. Right. Also, pretty funny that the uh, half shark, half dragon kid is the one who turns up. 
having just fought half dragon, half shark man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's cool, man. It's very cool. Uh, I do like the sort of like low key commentary, you know, uh, Krillian blood kind of takes over, you know, whoever and changes them. But Mako didn't really change much other than turning green and getting a fin and healing powers and stronger. Yeah. I mean, like I said, he has a similar build to Dragon already. But also... And my recollection is all the VC guys who got injected with it, they didn't really change their physique either. I'm just saying sharks are unchanged for like millions of years. So it's kind of cool, I think. Nerd, science nerd thing, probably doesn't mean anything. You're right. The VC guys didn't really lose their visual flourish. I just think it's cool. That's all. Well, he's gone now. He's dead. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about that real quick. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting <laughs> the book to get closed on old Benedict that quick. It's kind of no. a quick, ter- <laughs> kind of a quick turnaround on him. Cause the he thing is, when, his purpose. <laughs> well, when Eric brought him back, he was like, ah, fucking King shark, fucking people thinking that make us King shark, you know? And then like, then he just brings him back and just greases him, like fucking not many issues later. Raven, huh? have you been reading this book for any period of time? Yes. <laughs> just a little bit. That I do think it's funny, though. Getting greased is like what happens. All right. You're just, you don't think it's funny to like. I was, I was afraid he was going to live longer, to be completely honest. <laughs> you don't think it's funny to be like, ah, I'm bringing this visual back to the book and then just get rid of it? No, honestly. It felt like it was a temporary thing. Hmm. Old prognosticator Purcell. Never surprised. Okay. Yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, unf- I'm, I'm, fla- I'm unflappable. All right, Miss All right, Miss Cleo. Fair enough. I'm going to miss uh, the visual, but I didn't like the new character. It was too one-dimensional for me. Benedict? Yeah. yeah, you didn't like serial killer Mako. Yeah, I didn't like him either. I think in this issue, in particular, he was shown to be cool in his own way. Yes, it, this issue was cool because it was like Jaws that could actually climb into land. But I've seen that movie. The Asylum made it. You guys don't want to know all the shark movies that the Asylum makes. No. Oh Jesus Christ! Land sharks like one of their bread and butters. Oh, I know geez. shark. I know Sharknado. I don't shark, know yeah. shark. Shark to puss. <laughs> yeah, I just thought after this issue, I was like, "Oh man, he's so cool!" And then he fucking died, and I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> yeah, he wasn't that cool. <laughs> Fair enough. What do you guys think about it? I mean, I guess Billy's belongs to the Malcolm family now, huh? <laughs> Yeah, I think that kind of is implied that he's gonna might be sticking around. Guess we'll see. He's a weird looking dude. <laughs> oh, Ken Albrey will be happy. <laughs> he was a Billy fan. He was an insect fan more than anything, right? I was yeah. gonna say it's it's not insect, but at least you get Billy, right? Maybe Maxine can put on the insect costume. <laughs> Maybe she was insect this whole time. Oh, I don't believe so, but that's okay. <laughs> so all in all, I mean, absolutely incredible issue. Uh, 
how about we jump into this uh, backup real quick? Really quick before we do the backup, late oh. breaking news. Ooh. Eric has just posted a variant cover to issue 265. Uh, Gosh, damn main, it. The main cover is the one where uh, Samurai is punching Malcolm in the junk. So the variant cover is uh, done by Gary Frank. You guys can find oh. it in the uh, Discord yeah. chat. I linked it. Ooh, It is cool. pretty damn cool. It has uh, Malcolm having just fought a tentacle monster in the toilet, and there is blood everywhere, and Maxine is too busy watching her stories to care. He got the toes right. He got the fin right. Yep, fin's looking good. His head's kind of tiny, though, but I think that's just Gary Frank. His body's big. No, it looks good. His body's big. I think Maxine looks great. Maxine looks incredible, dude. He doesn't have that weird Gary Frank face. I know, dude. Listen, it's got to be hard for Gary to not do crazy eyes. Yeah, he fucking is, killed is, it on this, this is cover. Another, this is a great cover because it, it, you know, it feels like it's a Malcolm Maxine cover. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I think it looks great, man. Holy shit, dude, he's killing it. Can I just say, like, I do not like the double cover where it's just retro trade dress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is what I always want from variant covers. Is a cool like a visual. Yeah. And of course, Gary Frank, uh, Eric did a cover for Geiger. Yep. Which is a Gary Frank's book. So let's follow that reasoning. We got Philadelphia. We got Geiger. We got the I Hate Fairyland exchange. Was there... Who a, else? Uh, well, there, was an, there was an Astro City cover. So there's an Astro City cover. So who's a cover artist on Astro City? Well, that's City? the thing. Uh, it's usually... It's fucking Alex Ross, right? Yeah, Alex Ross. I mean, uh, how fucking awesome would it be to get an Alex Ross Savage Dragon cover? But I'm not going <laughs> to hold my breath on that one. <laughs> Me either. He did, uh, he did the... Um, what's the Kirkman? Uh, Firepower, right? So Chris Samney, maybe. But oh. I think a bunch of people did covers for that, so I don't know. Well... I'm just saying, if you follow that logic, there could be some more clues in the future. Uh, Alex Rock, can you imagine in the year 2023 of our Lord and Savior, a new Alex Ross cover with Maxine? <laughs> yeah, because Alex in Ross her, did, well, did I don't draw see it happening. Alex Ross <laughs> did uh, paint the uh, uh, Superman Savage Dragon book that Eric yeah. uh, published. Yep. Although I Eric think he was he was he Alex was painting, painted it. painting over Eric's pencils, yeah. Yep. I'm gonna have to uh, compromise all my principles and morality, and ask an AI to render what uh, an Alex Ross Malcolm Dragon and Maxine cover would look like. Help us, AI! Help us! <laughs> That's how it works, right? Raven, you disgust me. <laughs> please no one do that like every please every listener do not do that it was just it was just a joke god damn please don't use that why don't, why don't you feed, why don't you feed in all of raven's dojo and just have it make raven's dojo for you can't do fingers one thing before we get into the the uh while we're still on this uh breaking news variant cover uh-huh just want to remind again another 
much better cover than anything that we got for like 250 oh, yes. besides Simonson. Again, just, I don't know. It's like, man, I would much, I just hope the next anniversary issue has artists like this that actually care about putting quality covers out. Yeah, learn the lesson. That's all I'm saying is learn the lesson. Don't go to guys like phone it in, uh, phone it in Frank and rip you off Rob and twiddle his thumbs, Todd. <laughs> I don't know. All right. So shall we get into the, the backup of this? It's issue? very interesting. Jim shown some light on this backup that honestly made it a lot more interesting all right so the backup let's talk about that for a little bit it's kind of interesting um this was something that um i guess the writer r alan brooks posted Mm -hmm. on the facebook page uh he wrote the story and it features the first black superheroine uh ever published which is Butterfly. This character was published in 1971 by Skywald Publications. Um, yeah. So that's why they set it, this this uh, story in the 70s as well. Um, I guess he wrote wrote this in 2018 for another publisher, and it didn't get published. And so um, I guess he knows Eric, and Eric agreed to publish it as a backup here. So... He seemed really stoked on his in his post. Uh, we've got we've got the artwork by you know fan favorite Frank Fosco, who everyone knows by now. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone that's a Savage Dragon fan, and then uh, colors by Nikos uh, and Mike Torres. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know our Savage Dragon team, and then uh, it was lettered by Farron Delgado, our uh, Savage Dragons uh, former letterer. So um, I don't know. It's a pretty cool story. Uh, it seems like. Uh, Butterfly is a like a jazz singer or something, and so like her performance is paralleling her activities as a superhero. Yeah, it's a cool framework for uh, you've got action from her secret identity as Butterfly, but then you're also very much getting her true personality, her lounge singer. It's kind of a cool framework the way it's written because you definitely get both like you know like you said the things she's saying mirror kind of the action that's going on it's kind of neat it's a neat conceit yeah it's cool it's uh frank fosco's killing it as always lots of shadows and and light mm-hmm. uh kind of juxtaposition i dug I think- it it was a pretty big surprise for me like there was no talk about it you know i guess that happens sometimes with these backups but i was just like i remember flipping the page and it was like oh frank fosco and this is before there was a post on it on uh facebook because we get the issues a little bit early um to review and uh i was like what is this what's going on here yeah uh, it just yeah it was very surprising uh, i'm i'm with you craig uh the whole time I was just like, well, this is weird. Like, this is really like interesting, but like, huh? Like, is this Frank and like the writer's character together? Like, I've never seen this character. I just finished the reread. And so I was like, there's not even a hint of this character anywhere else. So I guess the main real confusion was, I was just like, huh? 
like where the hell did this character come from or whatever. Dude, Frank does a beautiful job. If you uh, have a little bit of Google food, dear listener, uh, you can find actually someone has gone to the trouble to scan in the first two appearances of Butterfly from Hellrider number one and Hellrider number two, which was kind of like how Spider-Man shows up in graphic fantasy. Um, that's how Butterfly was. She just shows up in there. And uh, there's this website, museumofuncutfunk.com, and you can find uh, the Butterfly uh, right there under their Vintage Black Heroes. And, uh, yeah, you can see it's crazy because Frank's art really, like, it's crazy how well his art matches the original original. art from 1971. Like, it really works well together. So, like, Frank really did a good job. Of course, he always does a good job. But, like, he really did a good job. Like, it really fits the tone and the vibes. And uh, it's just kind of cool. Like, uh, this character, the butterfly, uh, predates uh, DC's uh, black superhero uh, heroine by two years. So It's pretty wild. Like, it's like... 1971 there still wasn't you know a black (laughs) superheroine that's what i told jim i was like that's kind of sad dude like that's you know not that long ago and it wasn't Um, even like published in a major like dc or marvel you know like you know like they didn't think that that was a thing that they could have done (laughs) right or or that needed like you know that void needed to be filled in the 70s uh there was certain uh, publishers, uh, their editorial, their excuse was that if they put black characters in their comics, they wouldn't sell in the South. The South would stop carrying their comics. And that was the excuse they made to put off adding black characters or having black titles uh, for most of the 70s. Pathetic. Uh, uh, pathetic indeed. And it was assuredly just an excuse because when they did finally start creating them and putting them out there, they were reasonably popular. They didn't have any problems. It's cool because uh, just doing the research for the FinCast there, they say that even in the, uh, even in the, her intro storytelling, uh, she, in her second appearance, she kind of goes up against basically like a KKK group, you know, the brothers of the Crimson Cross. And the craziest thing still yet is that uh, it turns out Butterfly is a public domain character which Savage Dragon is just a fantastic book for public domain characters being used and uh, getting a second lease on life and getting the spotlight shown on them. Um, A lot of you guys I know remember when all of those publishing companies like Dynamite and stuff took a crack at Daredevil and the Black Terror and then, you know, they just did nothing else past that initial pop. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah. Well, Daredevil. apparently the whole re- the reason why she's in public domain is that for whatever reason, when these comics were published, they weren't published properly with the proper like copyright notifications, which meant right. they basically went into the public domain immediately. Uh, right. Whether by I'm intent- assuming the creators passed away or. Well, uh, the main artist and who's credited here, Rich Buckler, he passed uh. away in like uh, um, 2017, but. Um, he he's a pretty notable name mm-hmm. in DC and Marvel comics. 
Uh, he he did a lot of a lot of art for them, um, especially in the seventies and eighties. Well, maybe not the eighties as much, but he he was pretty prolific as art as far as artists go. Um, he's not one of those big names that everyone talks about, but he did enough, uh, I think, to make him notable. In fact, I'm pretty sure he's also co-creator of Black Lightning. Cool. Who, of course, debuted in 1977, five years after this. So it's just cool. I mean, it's cool that here's this like public domain female like superhero. She's notable piece of history, just kind of forgotten. I never knew about her until this. Right. You know, but like she is public domain and I think people should keep her alive and like bring her to light and like use her, you know, put them in your, put her in your comics. Like, I think it's cool. I I like what Savage Dragon does for public domain characters is what I'm saying. So I would love to see new generations of people use this character. She's got a great visual and the combo of being an entertainer, like a singer but then also having these powers and stuff. Uh, she can fly. She can cling to surfaces. She can blind people. It says even permanently with flashes of light. Pretty cool character. Pretty unique power set. I think people could do interesting things. Yeah, I agree. Well, you fellas think about this pinup by Eugene Booker. It's pretty uh, cool. Wait, what pinup? There's oh, oh there oh I found it there it is yeah I see it kind of cool yeah it's pretty cool I don't love it but I don't hate it it's solid yeah yeah I do wish the fin was right but I always wish the fin was right other than that it's fine it is what it is um kick ass fucking issue I mean really like give go ahead and give it a number rating like how you feeling for your first Savage Dragon after almost a year. It's definitely a corker. It definitely is a great uh, return. So much going on. Sets up things. Resolves things. Does everything a good Savage Dragon issue should. Yeah, I agree. Great issue. Great great backup. uh, Cool variant cover. It's a solid issue all around. Yeah, suspense, drama, uh, everything you want. And give it a nine. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. Firing in all, all cylinders is what you want when you when we're back to back getting back into the series again. You know, this is a great kickoff to hopefully uh, a lot of issues this year. Uh, didn't I guess like uh, we did our guesses? I think I was guessing like uh, six or five. So one down, four to go. <laughs> yeah, I can't even remember what I guessed. But six or seven sounds good to me. Wait, what do we? Oh, how many issues are going to come out this how year? How many issues are going to come out this year? Mm-hmm. Yep. Eight. That's good. That's pretty good. Huge yeah. step up. Shall we uh, take it home? Let's do so. Savage Dragon 264, the story of Paul. Paul Dragon's secrets revealed. Malcolm's father from another dimension has been something of a mystery man. 
but at long last we'll see how his story diverges from his image universes. <laughs> That's not the word. Universe counterparts. It's a fascinating <laughs> glimpse into the past of his hallowed hero. And, of course, we are, uh, everybody here is super excited for this because we all yeah. love Paul and Bronze Man's on the cover and just looks uh, fucking fantastic. Zeke I, with a bubble helmet we've seen. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. trust him. You don't, tr- <laughs> you don't trust Paul. No, look at him. I mean, he looks like an angel to me. What do you hate? Me and Malcolm, I think we're on the same page. We don't like this guy. I'm going to settle this once and for Paul. Would someone sinister, would a sinister mind wear a belt with a D on the buckle? Well, Dr. Doom does. Does he? It's a big square, silver square. Don't dig up some old. I hear the. I hear the click clack. Don't dig up some old bullshit. Some old golden age bullshit. Well, how's he look now? Galactus if, has a big G on him. He does. That's only because people did a lot of drugs back then. <laughs> uh, Very disappointed in you too. All right. I guess the. Generous. I guess the Doom D belt is into my mind. <laughs> You're thinking of like Demolition Man or something. I swear Doom had a D-belt. No. You're a D-bag. He's got like a pilgrim buckle, doesn't he? I tell you, a big silver, yeah, it's a big silver buckle. It's nothing fucking fancy. I thought it was curved like a D. (laughs) You're setting me up, dude. Straight straight on one side and curved. Sounds plausible. Comes up into a mushroom tip. Tell you what, though, I am really excited for this issue because there's going to be a lot of like the old school characters getting pulled out and yep. getting to see them in action. I yep. uh, I am ready. I think a lot of people are excited about this issue. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm ready to learn all of his secrets. I don't want there to be any secrets after this issue. <laughs> None. Not one. How's he in bed, Alex, compared to the real dragon? We need to know. No secrets. None. As of this recording, he's done with this issue. So. What, the next issue? Yeah, 264. He's he's, already off to the races. House of Fire. House of Fire. It's like No Nut November for comic making. When you go a year without that many issues, poor, poor buddy, look out. Yeah, but guess what? You know, something's going to happen. <laughs> no, don't speak it into existence, Craig. You don't need to jinx it. Anyway, you can He's tell it's a tip. Some double size issue is going to slow things down. Numerically, that's not possible. We're only up yeah. to what, 265? No, he would, or 264, he would have to do, to get to 275, that's the next logical big one, right? He would have to do, this year alone, 11 issues. It's not going to happen. That's next year's problem. (laughs) Now, next year, there'll be a big gap, and then we'll get an oversized issue. But this year's all smooth sailing, 
all normal size issues. Or not, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, so shall we wrap this one up? I think we're at the two-hour mark, exactly. Oh, we already wrapped it up. Raven already did his uh, solicitation. So okay. uh, I guess the only thing left to do is thank you for listening. And, of course, if you want to send us a message, send it to savagefincast at gmail.com or uh, leave us a message on our YouTube video or on our website, savagefincast.com. And uh, as always, we want to hear from you. Uh, thoughts on the title, Savage Dragon, Eric Larson, and, of course, your uh, answers to our interesting conversations. Uh, now that more Savage Dragon is coming out, you can probably expect us to make more episodes about them in the near future. So if you want to hear your letters written out, read, read out poorly, uh, as I often do, <laughs> make sure you get them in. Uh, we got, we're going to be doing an ant episode within you know our lifetime, so we'll be back again soon. <laughs> within our lifetime. Yeah, man. That's not ominous at all. <laughs> so thanks for listening. Thanks. Thank you, everybody.